Achievement unlocked. Two players and a podcast now loading. Welcome back, dreamers and Flam family. This is Two Peas in a Pod, brought to you by General Andrews and Liberty Flam. And we are sponsored by the 8-Bit Dojo and ESN, where we aim to be selfless, not selfish. This is episode 25 of season 4, Hidden Gems, Sega CD, and the Dreamcast. Hey, hey, Flippity Flam, my man! General Andrews, my dude, how are you doing? Doing all right, been super duper busy. Glad we're able to find a time to go ahead and talk about our last episode episode of this mini series oh i can't can't wait this has been such a nice break from what we usually do to have this sort of mini series going because we've discovered a lot of nice little gems yeah and I, one of the things that's been unfortunate about finding out these little gems and whatnot has been the fact that some of these systems i don't own same yeah so i can't go in now like oh that was really cool let me go play it now it's like ah oh, crap <laughs> i want to but i don't got that except the cdi I, i'm i'm not gonna lie the cdi does not does that intrigue YouTube you videos. come, come yeah, on I'm come go on watch YouTube videos. come on <laughs> you, right, know, you, you doing it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not oh, okay all right i was like damn maybe he is maybe, maybe he buys yeah. stock in cdi yeah, just know? wait i'm gonna go to the best buy and i'm going to get myself a cdi <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey so uh where are the cdi's located the the CD what what you, what about your dreamcast you got any is dreamcast that, is, that, is, that an, is that an apple product the cdi i mean right. should that be an icd i don't get it icd i see me <laughs> oh man then well, i can't wait for us to talk about both the sega cd and dreamcast obviously dreamcast will come later but for now let's dive into the sega cd which should have been better should have been than it was but again it just shows that sega made a lot of missteps trying to chase so hard the nintendo craze and the other sneaking up competitions. Yeah, they they were also because when this came out, it was when like this the the N sixty four was still like having its reign, right? Right. Well, it was, it was still right before that. This, right before. So this CD, is when. Oh, so they tried to jump. To, what I'm trying to say is they tried to jump to CD too quickly. Yeah, exactly correct. They tried to jump to CD too quickly with this one. Uh, that's why also the CDI for the uh, other company, I can't think of that right now, uh, wanted to be way way ahead of the game yeah. and they could have been but the problem was is they didn't have the proper staff uh and people for those types of things because their device was made for both playing movies and games games they only had the people that were available to like they, that knew how to do the movie aspect of it that's why so many of those cdi games are almost full motion videos the entire time yeah the entire time because they didn't have enough actual left. like just hit game right. devs. it's like oh we have like this guy hey i'll put it together yeah and it's like well i mean you gave me like three inputs the entire game i don't know why i spent like 50 bucks on this this sucks <laughs> this, is, this is bad God, could you imagine picking up Wand of Gamelon for like $60 back in the day and just getting home and that just being utter shit? I can't imagine paying 60 bucks for a movie. Yeah. Right? Like if you really break it down, you're you're, you're paying for that old system right there, that CDI, you're paying that much money for a movie? Nah, who's doing that? Yeah. You're doing that if you're buying, it's your favorite movie ever, you're buying the collector's edition, like 75th anniversary, something, you know what I mean? Like something ridiculous where you're like, it comes with all these different things 
things. It's got this. It's got that. It's got this. No, not a game that's pretending to be a game and it's actually a movie. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. So let's talk about actual games here. And this is where the Sega CD came into play. They just, again, were just a little bit too early with this. Not with the the sense that this technology shouldn't be out more so that it wasn't a refined product and that's why it failed in the long run yeah, i can't imagine trying to develop for the early ages of the cd era of video games just like your your developer kits were probably just awful super and, and hard part, to work with part of the issue if you if you pay attention to the sega's uh long-standing history of self-deprecating moves yes. is that uh sega sega japan and sega of what's it called sega of north america point is is they decided to separate their operations they could not agree on what they were going to do because japan wanted to double down on st the, the stacking tower mm -hmm. and if you continue the, the, their plan was that you would just keep on stacking more and more and more and more <laughs> And it's like, Japan, you should know better. You're, you're technology leaders at different junctures in history to know that technology changes enough that that's not going to happen. So I don't know why they were so adamant about keeping it that way. Yeah. So now the America side of Sega, they decide to go in on the Sega CD. Problem was, is they didn't have this. They, a bunch of their top tier people were working at Sega Japan. Yeah. So they were, you know, they were stuck in a situation where this is what they're going to do. But now they are trying their best to keep up with the competition. And yet they're not having their top guys. And how much time do they have to get top guys in those positions, guys or gals, uh, top people to be in those positions to go ahead and actually put out good quality products, not just rushed stuff and saying, here you go, here it is. Well, thankfully, we're going to talk about some hidden gems because they did still come through. So Flip, how about you start us off with let's, what uh, hidden gem you found? Let's let's start us off here. So we've talked a lot about the full motion video games that were bad, right? Let's talk about one that was good. Ooh, okay, yeah. This one was called Night Trap. So you're basically, you're in this house and you have to stop the guys from getting all the girls. So it's a little, it's a little promiscuous. Yeah, right? I was gonna say, it sounds kind of dirty. It's a little, it's a little dirty. I mean, you can get away, okay. you could get away with murder in the 90s on. Literally, I think there was a game called like Murder Lobby or something like that. I think there was, yeah. There was also like a full motion video. I mean, there were, there were a couple for the Sega yeah. CD. <laughs> that were just very uh questionable to say <laughs> yes. the least yeah questionable that's a good way of putting it so let me read the plot here the opening exposition to night trap is presented to the player by commander sims of the sega control attack team or scat on the sega cd or special control attack yeah good old scat right like don't worry the scat gonna be there i'm like why is there gonna be cat oh, the, scat, the scat man's got gotcha. you the, the scat, scat man's, man's got gotcha. he explains the team that the team was alerted to the disappearance of five teenage girls who were last seen at the martin winery estate the martin family consists of victor martin his wife sheila children jeff and sarah and cousin tony the missing girls were reportedly invited to stay for the night police questioned the martin family but they claimed the girls had left safely and they refused to let the police search the property police then handed over the case to scat which investigated the house and discovered a series of traps security cameras and an operational unit in the basement to control the apparatus sorry but the apparatus sounds really intimidating right now right that is a very intimidating word it's probably like that probably is the night trap you know it is yeah players given the role of an internal 
scat operative charged with controlling the traps and cameras from the, this back hallway it's very interesting say, like, it, it, it kind of sounds like uh if, if anyone's ever played the game called dungeon keeper yes and you're just constantly putting you know enemies in the, i guess for you they're your allies in the path of these you know holy crusaders and then you could build traps and all these other things and and you're not you're never actually in there but mm -hmm. it's your entire you're like you're in this back hallway so to speak right and so it's just like oh man okay all right what other devious plots do you have inside of this plot it is it's it's exactly like that you have full control over the cameras so every camera gives you a different video that you can watch but then you can also switch between them and then you have a variety of different actions that you can do and pick depending on like what's going on and you can mess with the people in there like it's for a full motion video game it's very involved which i really really enjoyed which i really liked and i think that's really important too because a lot of times we talked about is that the full motion video is where a lot of game developers depending on what systems are talking about they just did too much of it yeah and you're saying this one had a really good blend of both. It had a balance, right? That's sick. Okay, cool, cool. You felt like you were helping these people and you were solving, you're solving a mystery. Like, is the family in on it or are they not? Okay, okay, yeah. So it's, it's a good romp down what full motion videos could be. And I know there's a bunch now today that still use this one as like inspiration what it did oh okay cool yeah because it was it was very new back then and there's a lot of there's a lot of good ones today if you haven't seen like i've watched a couple of people play them on like the youtubes and stuff but mm -hmm. motion video games have come a very far far away from then That's cool. to now honestly because like it's, it had so much promise, and I think that's why it was such a quick, like, you wanted to have it, you needed to have it, oh my god, and then yeah. it got met with such disappointment because you had this huge expectation because of what you thought it was going to be versus what a lot of what them turned was. out to be. Yeah. And it was like, oh, when do I get to play? Do I just <laughs> you know, watch like, this here? Like, Who's playing for me? I want to play eventually. Uh. All right, here, here we go. Time to play. Oh, I just have to hit left or right, and that's it. That's the whole thing. <laughs> now, was Night Trap on a timer? I think it was a little bit. Because curious, what happens when it becomes a day trap? Does that mean it turns off and you're you're everyone's safe, or are you using the traps? I think a lot to... of the stuff in there was like time sensitive too. Okay. Okay. Like at least as far as the movies are concerned, but like you get alerts, oh. like what's going on where. Okay. Okay. That's much more involved than I assumed it would have been. Right? It's for, for a Sega CD game. And when you do, like, hit the trap, like, it's they're hilarious. Right? Like, it's... Oh, are they? Okay. It's funny <laughs> to see somebody just either get, like, cartoon, like, scooby dude right through a wall. Okay. It's, it's like nice. traps like yeah. that, right? It's like, oh, wow. All right. Well, good Springboarded out the window, like... Yeah. Wile E. Coyote and mm -hmm. all that kind of good stuff. The Roadrunner just running by. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah, that's about, I mean, how much more in depth can you go into a full motion video game than that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, can you want, you want to play the clip? You want to play? Yeah, let's play the clip for everybody here to watch it <laughs> on this very, very non-visual medium. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad you caught the reference there. All right, all right. <laughs> I guess it's my turn <laughs> to uh, take us to our next title. 
for the Sega CD. Now, I didn't get to play this one because I didn't own a Sega CD, but doing some research on it and, and trying to figure out, you know, what would be what would be a fun one to talk about. And are you surprised, folks? So many of these are either platformers or RPGs. And so we're, we're jumping into an RPG called Lunar the Silver Star. Now, uh, the Lunar the Silver Star, just kind of give you a back story to it before we actually t jump into the plot was a role-playing game developed by Game Arts and Studio Alex for the Sega slash Mega CD, originally published by Game Arts and released in Japan in 1992. Now, I know earlier we were talking about how the system had the issues of what Sega of Japan was doing and Sega of yes. North America was doing. That doesn't mean they didn't still sell them in the other locations. Like, there were still... 32Xs coming out here in the States because you could still see, just because those corporations divide themselves and decide to do their own things doesn't mean they didn't still sell products in each other's demographic because they were all still the same company. Yeah. They just had broken their divisions apart. They got mad at each other, but like, hey, yeah, we'll still sell stuff here. We'll still do it. And then a lot of these RPGs normally were done by people who worked in Japan and things of that nature. So a lot of times, some of the things would even release first in Japan, even though it's like, wait, isn't that backwards? Because no, just, that's just how it worked. They, they released in Japan a lot of times, and then they would release it in the States if they felt like, okay, this actually did pretty well uh, here. And that's because, especially early in the early 90s, uh, and even beforehand in the 80s, uh, RPGs, and then probably a lot of people still feel to this day if they yeah. maybe haven't been paying attention is that RPGs are such a bigger hit in Japan right. before the potential that they're going to be a hit out here in the States. Like Monster Hunter, for example, right? Great like, example. Monster Hunter didn't come to the States until like quite literally the last five, ten years. And Earthbound. Earthbound, that's another one. Yep. No one knows that Earthbound's actually part two of three. Yeah. Everyone thinks it's a standalone title out here until they start deep diving and like, oh, there's it was actually called Mother for that series. Oh, weird. And you Mother know? Two, and then, and then like, yep, we still then don't Mother. have a proper Mother Three translated version. Correct. Absolutely correct. There's a fan translated one out there, and if you ever get the opportunity to play it, I say do it. Yes, absolutely. But there's still no official release of that from Nintendo, which is still insane to me. Like, that's insane that that's such a thing that RPGs, and they're just like, they just write it off. Like, oh, I know some people would probably enjoy it, but no, nah, let's just not release it, period. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> just like a, a remake of uh, Legend of Dragoon. Yes. It's oh, like, I don't know. That, there's a lot of people clamoring. Now, may, maybe they're just all talk and they're not going to shop, but. I don't know. I really feel they're going to buy that. Yeah. Thing. Meanwhile, if you meme on you meme on Morbius hard enough, they'll put it back in theaters just for nobody oh, to go a second God. time. <laughs> so many hard memes. My goodness. Dude, I've never seen something like that happen. Oh, man, they must really like it. They put it back in theaters. Nobody, nobody still went. Nobody went. No. Why? Why? Why, why did why you do this? You, why would you do this to all of us? All right. So let's give you the official plot for this game now. The game takes place in the fantasy land of Lunar, a small habitable world orbiting the massive barren blue planet known as the Blue Star, forming a loose parallel between the game's world and the Earth and its moon. Centuries before the game, the Blue Star was rendered unlivable by years of war. The power and benevolent goddess Althena relocated humanity to the Silver Star, the world of Lunar, and entrusted four dragons to safeguard the elements of the new world. From this point on, 
those who would use the power of the dragons to serve the goddess and protect the world were known as dragon masters. And no such dragon master was more revered than Dain, a legendary hero who defended the goddess and succumbed to an unknown fate. The stories surrounding Dain's exploits would form the life model for a young boy named Alex, the game's protagonist and central character, who also aspires to become a dragon master himself. Many of the locations of Luna, the Silver Star, were given a deliberate northern feel to present an environment that was cooler than the settings of most role-playing games. If only to allow the characters to wear more clothing, many towns and locations were based on areas of Russia and medieval Europe. Are you ready to play? I'm there. All right. I want to be a Dragon Master. We got him. Flo's going to be a Dragon Master. It makes sense, though. If if you got a beard, that's probably, like, up your alley, you know? That's very true. So that that was the setting. Uh, Overall, this game, what they were trying to do was have a different kind of RPG uh, by using the CD-ROM format featuring high-quality audio, full-motion video, there he is again, and voice acting. Now, this was a big deal because voice acting here and this game was released in 9293 your voice acting is not happening on your regular consoles a lot of us are like oh yeah we know about the nintendos we know about the genesis i mean you're talking about like oh yeah donkey kong like something very simplistic and sometimes those things were just literally made from sound bites uh that they exploited to sound more like voice acting and it was an actual voice being recorded and then put in because they just didn't have the size available or the limits on the actual disc space cds were so much more powerful than cartridges at this point in time Mm -hmm. so one of the cool things i do want to talk about is specifically the voice acting not that you know i'm into that or anything you into voice acting no 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 no, none of that that's bullshit no it's dumb you just take classes you just like to look you do that so you can make fun of the voice acting people i'm a full-time student for the rest of my life it's a career goal okay (laughs) how dare you aren't we all just learning from life's lessons general aren't we all students all right you jesuit you need to calm down (laughs) over there All right, so getting back to the audio, uh, let's go ahead and talk about, uh, well, sorry, no, the voice first, then the audio. Mm-hmm. Uh, both the G- uh, Japanese and English adaptations of Lunar the Silver Star contain roughly 15 minutes of spoken dialogue from a number of prominent voice actors. Now, to get this across, when they're talking about prominent voice actors, that's actually for the Japanese yes. voice acting side. For the American voice acting side, there actually was a lot of newcomers who eventually became much more known in the voice acting world for video games. But the Japanese had the ones that were actually like considered stars. You know, they, they're the ones actually getting paid a ridiculous amount of money, let alone taking on titles like this to add to their resume. Yeah. Now, though the game has a number of main and supporting characters, only five are actually voiced during specific story sequences, which makes sense. I would You wouldn't be surprised that a side character, especially back then in the early 90s didn't have a spoken role you know maybe it was a grunt at most uh, and the rest of it was going to actually be the main characters because if you only have a x amount of space available again even even cds have their limits right Mm -hmm. it's like are we going to do that are we or are we just going to make sure we focus on the characters we want to focus on yeah let's just focus on them so now the japanese version features um uh, kikuku uh inoue as both Alex and Luna, Rei Sakuma as Nail, Koichi Kitamura as White Dragon Quark, and Rokuru 
Naya as Galleon. Now, like I said, the English version comprised mostly of new talent and associates of working design staff. So a lot of times, too, it was so funny is that some of these people, they weren't really voice actors, but it's like, okay, we need voice actors. All right, you have a pretty good sounding voice. Come yeah. over here. So. Voice actors, and you're already on our payroll, so you're going to do it. <laughs> exactly. And so at this point in time, this individual, Ashley Parker Angel, played Alex, Rhonda, sorry, as Alex. And uh, what's funny about this name, some people might say, wait a second, I know that name. Well, you might, because this actually was a member of the pr uh, prominent boy band, O-Town. Oh, town. Yeah. So what's so funny is that uh, this individual was doing voice acting, then eventually had jumped into, uh, probably was already still doing music, but then became much more prominent with mm -hmm. it at that point in time. And then the rest of the names here are uh, listed in a very um, quick dealio. So we won't go ahead and say all their names. You can go ahead and look it up if you want, folks. Now, when it came to the audio of this game, again, because this is another thing that they were trying to go ahead and be ahead of the game with, mm -hmm. music for the Silver Star was uh, comprised by Noriyuki Itoare and Hiroshi Fujioka, Isao Mizuguchi, and Yoshiaki Kubadera. No, close, but not good enough. Close. Anyways, who utilized the Sega CD's sound capabilities to create CD quality, CDDA. Now, CDDA, what the hell is this? Oh, digital audio. I was like, what the yeah. hell is this? <laughs> it's a different kind of CD. Man, oh, crap. So the game features the opening theme Lunar, performed by uh, Miyumi Sodua in the original Japanese version. The untitled English version is a slightly arranged piece performed by vocalist Shia Almeida, which features new lyrics by Victor Ireland, who attended the song, intended the song to sound less lovey-dovey, but more with a greater sense of urgency, which I am not surprised. Yeah. I noticed that a lot with uh, if there was going to be a North American release. Now, maybe it was already a part of the Japanese original release, but the North American releases, they wanted their RPGs almost always to have a sense of urgency sound to them. Mm -hmm. And that was no different here in this example of where it sounded a little bit more lovey-dovey of a soft kind of opening in the Japanese uh, original release. And then the American adaptation is going to go ahead and have this Let's go. Let's go. You got to get into it. Let's play. Let's play. Let's play. Play the game now, idiots. Just go play it. So I would definitely recommend checking this game out for those aspects of it. And it's an RPG. So, I mean, I could talk about an RPG forever and ever and ever, you know, and just keep on deep diving on that. But we're, we're, we've got more stuff to talk about today. Yeah, so no, we've got a whole nother dive. console. Yeah, but we're, we're not going to deep dive any further than that. But those are the things I wanted to highlight because that is what they wanted to highlight as well was the, the high quality audio, the full motion video, and the fact that they actually had voice acting. And 15 minutes sounds like nothing but remember back in the day they had nothing so yeah. 15 minutes was amazing it almost seemed insurmountable compared to other ones when it came to the fact it's like wait you have voice acting in your game oh my god all right so let's move on to the dreamcast which out of all the consoles to me this is the hidden gem console it really is it really really is because man did this God, it fell so short. Flew too close to the sun, as they say. It was on, literally on fire for those first three months it came out. Yep. And about another three months after that, they were still around. And then you just see all their errors finally cratered. Yeah, I man, I remember watching like X-Play back in the day and make fun of the Dreamcast because everybody was like, oh, everybody's got one of these. It's doorstop now. 
Because... Isn't that so sad? Yeah. Because like th- this system should have really made Nintendo sweat. Yes, this this should have. It had so many capabilities. The color scheme was cool. The controllers were good. The controllers themselves. Now it was so early in its concept. They had those little uh, what were they called? Oh my gosh, now it's slipping my mind. But you had additional games that you could plug in oh, the memory yeah. card. God, now not all called. games actually like this game I was talking about did not have an additional one of those, but certain games did. And I can only imagine more and more would have taken advantage of the technology and like, oh, here we got more to our game. You have a you're getting two and one. You're getting three and one. Because they could do stuff, a bunch of different things with those little cartridges where you would have an additional game that you could you could play on the road with you. Yeah, I think one of the big things too was you could have a Tamagotchi. And you can yeah in, exactly. inside your controller exactly right and so a lot of times most games it would just say sega because they did not put the time towards making another game for it you know and so that's what it would say for most people like i don't remember that mine only said sega well you're right because the that game you you had or games you had didn't have anything for it but the game i'm going to talk about is probably one of the most genius games ever made called stupid invaders oh this is brilliant this one's absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant right so now for those that don't know space invaders is an adventure computer game based off of xylam's 1997 to 2008 animated series space coops so for certain people now i didn't know this at that time uh they already have context to where this game is coming from like these characters already have lore mm-hmm. attached to it now this game was released in 2001 and then ported over to the dreamcast so this was not an original dreamcast release because it was originally on uh the computer yeah that's this where this pc there's a dreamcast. PC. yep now though because the dreamcast was a, a cd platform uh it was very little was lost it's just there's a little more computing power for certain people's computers than uh other people's computers or compared to a dreamcast system so let's go with the plot here after the aliens crash into earth and have been trying to escape for a few years dr Sakarin hired bolox to capture the aliens and really that is it that's it yeah <laughs> that is literally the plot of this so what's happening here is that once you start out the game there's going to be an fmv playing and that whole cutscene that's playing is kind of filling you in on the fact that these aliens really are just kind of chilling and existing and they don't care man they're in this house having a good time maybe they're eat some hot dogs or some, you know, some tacos or something. Life's good. So one of them, I'm trying to think of the character's name right now, uh, goes ahead and decides to go grab a snack, if I'm, I'm trying to remember correctly here. I think so, yeah. In the process of doing so, now the enemy comes busting on in through the window or through, or through the roof, and it's like, okay, well, you know what? I'm freezing y'all, and capturing you so now i'll go ahead and give you the summary of this plot and give you a little bit more now that i said that the plot centers around the aliens and their attempts to return to their home planet sigma b but they're in no hurry the story follows etno and his four friends who are trapped with him in a laboratory after crash landing on earth now dr sakarin who is an evil scientist and his assistant igor have sent a ruthless mysterious bounty hunter bounty not Bounton, bounty hunter named Bolock to capture the aliens for his experiments. So Bolock's the one who comes crashing in and uses this freeze ray, and now they're frozen. My assumption is they have the ability to to unfreeze them. Uh, Otherwise, it's like, okay, well, you capture them, and now they're dead. Yeah, right. (laughs) You just froze completely live, you know. 
organisms and they're probably dead inside you know i mean maybe not though maybe not now the gameplay for this game is more of like a point and click mm -hmm. so all the main characters of xylem's animated series are playable throughout the course of the game so not all instantaneously uh, but the game is notable for de deliberately rejecting or distorting some cliched aspects of the adventure genre uh standard adventure game tactics such as picking up talking to or interacting with anything encountered often and now what this game really does a good job of is its humor laden content it is a game that if you do not have a funny bone then don't play this game yeah because there's a lot of silly ridiculous crude humor but again it's growing up crude. as a kid it was so much fun so like it's just really hard to get across the individuals who don't they want everything to be let's say pure you yes. know but then again, like I talked about this just the other day. I need smart, like, educated humor, not this toilet stuff. Mario is safe. What are you talking about? Mario kills things on the very first screen. <laughs> that Goomba is a living thing. Well, that's not real. Those Koopas are actually turtles. I know you gave them a different name so you feel better about yourself, but <laughs> he's killing turtles. He's ripping them out of their shell. Mario is a monster. So, you know, again, just getting back to it. So if you have a sense of humor, check this game out. If that means you have to get it on an emulator, if that's the only way you're able to play this, because, it, you know, with the Dreamcast or even getting Dreamcast games is really hard. Yeah. Uh, that was really the biggest issue with Dreamcast was the fact that their games, uh, you could burn them. Yeah, you're burned. There was no uh, copyright system in place. The Dreamcast you forgot goes. to put the protective data on there so you couldn't do that so it would block you from burning it but they were too quick in trying to get it out there i don't know what i complete misstep and that ruined the entire uh, longevity of the system which means finding some of these cds might be hard but if you could find them they would be for cheap they would they would be for cheap because of all the burning that happened uh, or again like i said just find an emulated version of this game and i think for those of you with a good sense of humor you'll have a bunch of fun with it absolutely well, talking about a bunch of fun flippy flam i think you've got a game to talk about uh, it's all about them eggs general all about Excellent. them eggs by eggs i mean elemental gimmick gear when i looked up this game and i saw this on the list i was like no this looks really cool and then after watching some gameplay of it this episode i'm like wow this looks even more awesome and i'm so sad that i just now learned about it so it, it switches from 2d to 3d you go you're 2d in the overworld and then when you're fighting like little scrubs and whatnot and all the 2d landscapes are all uh they're hand drawn which is really really neat that is super neat and then when you get to the bosses it turns into a 3d perspective almost like a beat em up like a like a robot on robot action Ooh. and the reason it's called the elemental gimmick gear again is egg is the acronym because you find this egg in a what is it i think it's like i'm not gonna read the plot because the plot is the entire wiki page and it's <laughs> <laughs> this isn't like an rpg it's like it's like a what is it an action role-playing game so an action rpg oh cool but there's it's not turn-based right yeah lunar would have been like a turn-based game yeah so this is all the fights are in real time which is my more style of RPG when it comes down to it. I can go either way. It really just depends how it's done. Yeah. But I enjoy both formats. So you find this egg and then you go on this, this whole last journey. This was developed by birthday published by Hudson soft and radical entertainment. And it was released. I think the first year that the dreamcast came out, that was 99, right? Was when the dreamcast was 
Yeah, when I was a freshman in high school. Yeah, yeah. it came out December that year. Really, man, the, I cannot stress enough the visuals in this game and how pretty they are, especially for a game this old. <laughs> well, then roll the clip. Roll the clip. All right, we're rolling the clip. Look at that. Look at that, everybody. Man, I wish you guys could see this. Now, those are some sweet pixels. Oh, man, look at those sweet, sweet pixels. <laughs> They're such high-def pixels, too. They really, really are. Like CD quality. Straight-up CD quality. I just think, I think any game that implements, like, full-on art as your backgrounds, like, Cuphead did this too, right? Yeah, it's, it's brilliant when done in When that done fashion. properly, right? Yeah. Absolutely it's, brilliant. It's really, really cool. I definitely suggest, like, you know, like we said, emulating these Dreamcast games because finding them would be nigh impossible, if not just very, very, very difficult. Agreed. And it, where, where, what was I reading? It goes through like four or five different worlds or like places in the world that you're on as you're going through the game as you're going or... through the game yeah do they have different landscapes all of them are different landscapes yep yo think about all that think about all that time to draw all this stuff like i know it was a big deal when uh disney would show when they would do the cell drawings for yes. some of their movies oh yeah like how fascinating that was to see it'd been really cool if they had something like that for a game like this so you could see or even like let's say nowadays maybe like cuphead where you could see like the process of them doing the the drawing of the backgrounds and you know make some of the backgrounds more interactive than others and things of that nature it is really really cool like to see that stuff because 2d animation is something that's like slowly getting worked out right like looking at all the kids shows nowadays mm -hmm. it's all cgi bullshit and i'm glad you say the the bullshit aspect of that because it's so so often it's done crudely like yes. it's not even good cgi like i think i was watching the new the the turtles kids show right okay yeah and it's bad it's just bad right and another thing about it is that 2d animation especially for kids like it's a different layer in their brains and is actually very very stimulating and very very good for their development whereas 3d uh, is not you know that makes more sense because obviously the, the, the world already itself you know is what 3d 40 yeah. 69b <laughs> that uh that makes sense in it also for a lot of us uh retro enthusiasts where it really just strikes a chord to go back and play those games or when new games are made in that style and you're like this brings me back even though it's a completely new game yeah right that makes sense what you just said okay cool yeah i follow you yeah you feel that you pick up what i'm putting down uh, and that's yeah yeah that's that's it for egg wow egg i don't and... think there's any more that needs to be said that, i don't that, think that so <laughs> That's pretty good. Folks, go play these games. Go play all of them and then comment on our Twitter posts. Please let us, us know. You know what I'm saying? Tell us what happens when Night Trap turns into a Day Trap. I think it's something kind of like uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the difference between the Night Man and the Day Man. And, uh, you know, from there, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> the Night Man. Oh. <laughs> With that being said, folks, thank you so much for tuning on in, Dreamers. Family, I love you as always. And bye-bye. <laughs>